0: The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror!
2: <laughs> Hello, Squirmophiles! I'm just setting up for my pre Halloween tradition an old fashioned possession party. We're gonna play all the games! Bobbing for Adam's apples, spin the noggin, pass the crucifix, hide the lipstick. I've got a full pea soup pool and a steroided out Jesuit priest for security. Until we get this party started, let's watch the original Night of the Demons on my special possessed VCR. <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I would like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. And uh, I am not alone. We can't do this alone. We need everybody here to get through this night. So left to right across your podcast dial, we have the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler.
0: Do you guys have sour balls? (laughs)
1: A question that has plagued mankind for generations. Mm. Uh, also joining us is two true freaks, OG Chris Honeywell.
2: Would you like a fudge log? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> Who wouldn't? And rounding out our our little our little party, our soiree, if you will, is my brother Jason Jacanetti. Eat a bowl of fuck! I'm here to party.
2: <laughs> wow don't, don't, All three of us got a food theme in
1: I, I, I did not I did not go I had one just in case Mine was not food related I said I always carried a spare I never promised you a tire iron
2: <laughs> <sighs> I beg your pardon I never promised you a tire
1: iron So uh, If you can't tell what movie we are talking about From those quotes You sir or madam are listening to the wrong podcast we are taking a look at the next in our series of horror rack hangers on we're looking to look at night of the demons from 1988 and i know that this one is uh was i've seen this one in uh in in video stores for years and years very well-known uh cover with the uh seeing the our our female demon uh, with holding up the invitation and uh, says Angela's having a party Jason and Freddie are too scared to come but y'all have a hell of a time uh, Really a, a cover that I've seen for years and I'm trying to, trying to remember who actually released that um, released that VHS. I think it was MCA home video was the first one to, to put that one out and that, that tape has been out there for for a long time. Uh, I got the uh, you know the, the red crazy evil font for demons. Uh, very, very cool tape, and uh, obviously was going to be part of this. It was one of my original ones that I put on this list, and uh, I had not seen this one in long, long time. So, so okay, so yeah, I hadn't seen this one in a, in quite a while, at least a, at least at least twenty years, probably since I'd seen this. But a lot of this came coming back to me. What you guys, uh, what are you guys' experience with Night of the Demons?
2: First time no. view for me. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I caught it.
0: Back in the cable days. <laughs> long, long time ago.
2: I I totally never heard of it till we got to do it. So it was, that was great.
3: <laughs> yeah. So Night of the Demons is uh one of the movies I, I purchased uh, when when I first got a DVD player and DVDs were like, you know, starting to become a thing. Like the end, I'm trying to think, uh... It's like the beginning of grad school, end of college. Like we're talking like late '90s, early 2000. Um, and I would go to Best Buy on Tuesday for new releases, and they would always have these horror ones for like nine dollars. One of those movies I got there. It's very famous for Leona Quigley, um, which is one of the reasons I was like, oh, I gotta get this movie. This is, I mean, movie that I knew about for years, um, but I'd never seen uh, unless we saw it on cable or something. It's possible Luke and I saw it on cable once, but it was just we own it quickly. in this and you just, it's a movie you got to own. I'm like, Oh, I gotta, gotta fucking own it. So we did. Um, (laughs)
2: yeah. So, Oh, this definitely was definitely was nudity was in the plan for this movie. Oh yeah. The director no, I, definitely yeah. was was really into getting some nudity in there, and he's a butt man if you or either yes, that or the I, cameraman is.
1: Well, I really I did like that. My the first note I have low key nudity in the first seven minutes because oh, I, yeah. you know one of the one of the the signs of quality in a film is if there's nudity in the first five minutes, and they don't quite make it because they've got that long uh, opening, the opening yes. credits. Yeah. Uh, so without that they get it, but I, they they swerve you a little bit, like you say they don't go for the 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 uh, the, the typical. You know, boob shot. It's, 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 she, we see her in her bra. And it's like, okay, it's a little modest. And then it's her, her, you know, her rear end. It's like, yeah, there's your, there's yeah. your money melons right there. Ooh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no question. Although, what's, 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 uh, you know, they're, yeah, they're the, and of course, the most famous scene from this movie involves nudity, but that, that's kind of nudity yes. of a different, of a different tack, the way that that, that, that is done.
2: That's more so Cronenbergian.
3: We'll, yeah. <laughs> before, we, before we go into all the stuff here just want to yeah. say so the movie was produced on a one point about 1.2 million dollar budget um it debuted in detroit and then it actually opened uh, uh thanksgiving um on thanksgiving and wound up earning three point just below three just a little over 3.1 million just in new york screens alone and it ran to the end of the year in detroit the numbers are not hard to think but they said that if they If they had opened nationwide, which they did not, it really opened, it played in Detroit and New York. This movie did not play a lot of, this was really a very much a, uh, you know, video store special kind of thing. It didn't play a lot of places. They said it was projected. It would have earned over $13 million domestically in its opening weekend alone, which would have made it one of the highest grossing horror movies of the entire 80s. But it only opened, limited in Detroit, and then it opened in New York City, and It played in other places. I'm not saying it didn't play other places, but it was not a wide release like some of the other horror movies were getting at the time, Uh, you know, I think it like the Nightmare sequels and the Friday the 13th sequels and stuff like that. And it would have been one of the highest grossing movies of the 80s, period, based on the projections they had in the very small, which is very hard to believe when you look at this little movie. (laughs) <laughs> that this thing, would have, no, no I'm, I'm not trying to damn it with faint praise. I'm being honest. Like it's hard to believe that this movie would have been able to do that. But at the time you have to, and I, and I feel like I say this all the time to the dad. And he's like, well, but I'm like, yeah, but dad, this is, you know, this movie was made 30 years ago, you know, what kind of thing. 30 years ago, you didn't have literally every single film have these insane budgets and insane special effects or whatever the, the special effects here were done by, of course, by Steve Johnson, who later went on to marry Leona quickly and then divorce her um, kind of thing. But Steve Johnson um, is one of the, oh, I mean, there's, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a number of special effects artists that are famous for, you know, their work during the, uh, you know, late seventies, eighties, into the nineties. And Steve Johnson is one of them. He is a, a, a he's known as a masks guy as well. He's very much respected. He's very much into the foam latex and the, uh, you know, all that, the, the, all the stuff that goes into that world. So, um, but just wanted to mention that because it seems to me, it's kind of crazy this little movie. You're like, oh, it's just, okay. It doesn't look like, it, it looks like they spend about a million dollars total shooting this thing, right? It doesn't look like it was you know, filmed on like, it's not one of those like, wow, it's only a million dollars. This looks like a $10 million movie. No, it looks like that much. Um yeah. that it could make a return on investment is insane. You think about the movies like, Friday the Thirteenth, the return on investment that had Halloween, Night of the Living Dead, like those things are what people always talk about. Like, put no money in. I mean, Blair Witch later on, put no money in and get this insane return out. This could have, if it had opened wide, projected to could have been one of those movies. Yeah,
1: so, I could
2: I could totally see it because it like I think it, this is this is definitely post um, Evil Dead Two, right? Yeah. So I think yeah I, I think this is like filling like filling a gap for uh, of an evil dead, it's sort of you know it sort of reminds me of somebody you know this was made by fans of you know the the music at the very beginning is a total like really nice John Carpenter rip off basically like the 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 title credits music and and I think they, they were probably inspired by by Sam Raimi and like low but you know low budget ev- easy easy um, easy simple confined to one space concept demons take over people set a few rules and and go and you could just tell there wasn't the the insane genius of of Sam Raimi at the helm. But they wanted to get that sort of feel to it to, that just sort of basic you know demons take over people and then chaos ensues type of type of thing yeah. and i mean they they, well, they pull it off enough that it's an engaging movie all the way through with you know with moments of batshit crazy yeah, through it. yeah. i mean to me
1: what you you saying evil dead 2 to me this is like this is like if John Hughes made Evil Dead 2, right? Because yeah, oh yeah, like feels, yeah, the and, last and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't mean hair. that as a slight. I mean, it really does get that, I mean, of course, it's a it's a, it's a, a, you know, a, it's a horror movie from the 80s. There's a good chance it's going to have a lot of teenagers in it, but this one with, like, the triangles and the different personalities and the you know, the, uh, the, the archetypal type characters and all that, and the different pairings, the way they get paired on and off with each other, it does remind me kind of like an 80s teen movie a little bit oh, and yeah, if you take what yeah. let, let's say let's say on an alternate vibrational frequency we take the horror aspect out of this we just make this that this is gonna that you know that this is gonna be a super scary party at this haunted house and it's it's a it's just a movie about the party in the seance this could be a straight teen movie now of yeah course, and
2: so, somebody's doing trick you know yeah fake killings or something yeah But yeah, I think this, this whole movie is like a mash. It's like the last gasp of the eighties, the last gasp of the eighties hair. And it's like somebody, it's like the eighties movie. And this is a movie made by somebody who's brought up, was brought up and inspired by evil dead and John Hughes. (laughs) And, you know, and the whole style of, of those films. And this is sort of, and John Carpenter, and this is, and, probably you know some of the the italian horror movies too and this is just sort of their th- throw it all into a into a low budget
1: idea i i so also the, go ahead okay. just saying
3: real quick the director is kevin s tenny um he in 86 did witchboard then this is only his second full movie full-time movie was Night of the demon he also did witch trap um, he later, the seller Peacemaker, which were to Pinocchio's Revenge in 96, no. um, a classic of its own arrival too, but he, and he's still got, he got a couple of movies that haven't come out yet that just have big question marks. Um, but he's not exactly known, um, for like, he wasn't like he was making a lot of them, but he actually wind up writing. Um, and this is, he wrote, he wrote this movie. Right. He's the writer on most of his Most of the things he's directing, he's the writer. He gets screenplay credit um, actually for Witchboard 3, which he didn't direct. And then Knight of the Demons 2, he gets screenplay credit, which, um, uh, excuse me, Night of the Demons 3, not 2. He doesn't get credit on 2. It's just kind of weird. Like he, he kind of is part of writing this whole thing and like all his stuff kind of ties together. Um, he's not it's not like, you know, you can say you look back on like a huge career of like TV or a huge career or of anything else. Like he kind of just made a few movies and he wrote some stuff. I mean, I mean you know, more power to him. I've never made a movie. I'm just saying is, but it just, it's not like you're like, oh yeah, this is like, it's not like when you see Piranha 2. And you're like, well, that's James Cameron. You know, it's like, it wasn't <laughs> getting here.
1: <laughs> you I have said it once. I've said it, you, you, would need to to be, you would need to be a psychic to see yeah. any talent in James Cameron after watching Piranha 2. I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, yeah, it, like,
2: that, like uh, Piranha 2 must have been like such a nightmare on set that the miracle is it came out like it did, which yeah. means it must have been like one of the ultimate. I remember watching Piranha 2 because, oh, let, let's check out Cameron's early work and just going like, wow, how? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, well, the, the thing is about uh, about Tenny is that also is that, the, you know, this is a cheap movie. Got to, Got to reach out to those connections. So the soundtrack by his brother Dennis Tenney, who uh, <laughs> oh, you who before, who did you now now again you look at Dennis Tenny's um, uh, IMDb page. It's a lot of the same movies that Jay just said. So you know you get uh, a lot of him doing music on you know Witchboard, Witchboard Two, Night of the Demons Three. It's a lot of the same a lot of the same uh, credits. It
2: sounds very Sam Raimi-like.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, but you know what, though? It's like, hey, you know, Dennis, you, you wanted to do some music, right? <laughs> you to do my movies. But the great thing about this is that it's not But I – and I do really like the soundtrack in this because at first, you know, there there is, there is a song by the band Ballhaus, which is Stigmata Martyr which I band I'm not really familiar with, but all the other songs, like Computer Date and Beast Inside and the main title theme, those are all by Dennis Kenny, and I guess guys that either he was in a band with or session, session musicians, easy for me to say, that he might have you know, known or hired on. But, but the music, I mean, the music actually, that to me is also part of what gives it that 80s teen movie feel is the soundtrack. It's not just... A generic soundtrack. There is some really good rockin' tunes on this soundtrack. <laughs> Did you say Bauhaus? I think that helps. Bauhaus. Bauhaus. Yeah,
2: the, Bauhaus. they're uh, a yeah. they're Bauhaus. a goth gothy band, but they were also in another famous soundtrack. And I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. It was with Susan Sarandon with the hot lesbian scene and David Bowie. The hunger. The hunger. They did, at the in the like beginning of the hunger. There's a scene in that's the club weird. with the song "Bella Lugosi's Dead" playing, and that's Bauhaus, and that's sort of like where they got their first big exposure.
1: Apparently, "Bella Lugosi's Dead" has been fe- featured in all sorts of stuff.
2: I'll bet. Uh, maybe, yeah. It. It's a very they're, yeah,
1: they're,
2: I'm just they're looking, very gothy and the they have moody music, so I guess it would go well with movies. I guess. Mm-hmm. I I yeah. like. They're they're generally pretty. Like '80s boring, <laughs> but, but a lot of those bands work out well in soundtrack music, you know. So, oh, yeah. more power to them. But I have fun. I have fun connections with anything to do with uh, the hunger. Yes, <laughs> I
1: bet. I, I think we've heard that story on this very podcast, haven't yes. we? About watching the hunger in an inappropriate uh, scenario. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, I said it, this this but the uh, hunger notwithstanding I, I this this was fun for me to revisit it's not the thing about Night of the Demons to me is that a lot like pretty much uh, almost all of these VHS horror wreck hangar that we've watched it's not great but no. you take it through the lens of I just spent three bucks to rent this and my friends and I got together with a case of our favorite beverage, you know, whether it's Mountain Dew or Coke or Dr. Pepper or what have you, as you will, would I have had a good time watching this with a group of friends and as, as a rental? And, I've, and the answer is, uh, to me is yes. You know, it, your mileage may, of course, vary on that, but the, it, it has enough, to me, it, it has enough creativity. It has enough titillation. It has enough mm. zany and, and strange aspects, but then to some legit horror stuff, especially in the back half. After about forty five minutes, this movie really picks up some steam. Like it plods a little bit when we're setting up all the characters. But once we get everybody to where they need to be and the, the, the demonic possession is established, I mean it just starts going and it flies through the back half of this film and it just really keeps moving. It's uh and it, and it's and it's it's shot pretty interestingly too i mean there's one of my notes here is there's a lot of slaughter high povs of people running around and they they don't have a steady cam, so it gives it that kind of gorilla uh kind of gonzo filmmaking that's that's
2: totally one of my notes is and and sort of story wise it was feeling like slaughter high towards the end a little bit too
1: yeah just kind of chasing everybody around from place to place in a small area yeah so i mean uh, (laughs) it is cheap to film yeah, and, and I do have to say this. Um, so, the um, uh, at the end when uh, Roger's got to climb the barbed wire, climbing up a barbed wire rope—that's some jigsaw level shit, right there, isn't that? And Gee. they, they, they <laughs> cut it. and th- That was cut
2: and and sound and and acted really well. That it wasn't just barbed wire. You got the feeling it was razor wire. So they were like uh, yeah. grabbing onto razor blades to to yeah. get up it. Yeah, that was that was nicely yeah. done. I mean, it was basically if, if Evil Dead 2 didn't, didn't exist, this would probably be like almost, almost there, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not as inventive. The camera work isn't as good, but it's got energy and, and, and it's not that the camera work is bad. And like in the beginning when it's just sort of following a, your, your standard establishing 80s movie sort of look it looks a lot higher budget than it is it's it's done there that you know it's lit well the colors are are nice and composed and the acting is all um oh well the thing about the acting in this is i i get this the 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 um um the director directed a lot of the you you said you're teenagers say everything sarcastic so like everybody like had like a bratty sarcastic tone like okay Billy you know everybody everybody just had that like insolent teen tone to it which is just like a classic ingredient (laughs) for a movie like this so it almost covers up bad acting but there isn't any terrible acting in this
3: considering none of them are teenagers, you're like, all right, act like right. you're 16. Oh, okay. like, I mean, Leona Quigley right. had already done the, uh, she'd already been trash. I mean, so that's what she's very famous for being, you know, the, the new dance scene in uh, Return of the Living Dead. But it's like, you know, the, there's, there's certainly not any teenagers here. You have to totally believe that you're looking at teenagers. Yeah. When she's right. in the store and but- over. I mean, you're like, okay, like I get that part, but you're totally believing that Angela is a teenager. Like she looks, she's fucking 40 you know
2: what yeah. i'm just it's saying like, so it's just i mean the yeah. the i mean oh, it was Ange- angela was with the blonde hair right
1: no angela's no, no. the no angela's a girl with the black hair that's right
2: the, right right yeah, right, right. yeah, yeah. Know, just, Le- she look, i mean she looks like victoria jackson in this you know
1: yeah like, <laughs> in her 30s now that would have been old. now that would have been some inspired casting
3: uh right?
2: yes. yeah like i would have. Like, i would have some Victoria but, Jackson. Uh, Victoria Jack-
3: but, 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 no, but like, like when she's in UHF, where she's just, just totally like stammering the whole time.
1: Yeah.
3: George, what are you doing? So.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, but Angela is, uh, Angela's Amelia Kincaid, who was either 24 or 25 when yeah. this was. But, so again, but
2: having, having 20 and 30 year old, 25 to 30 year old, act that's just with the sarcasm too. That's also just something that's sort of baked in that you, you like, yeah. It, you, you almost assume is gonna gonna happen there. So it would be it would be probably shocking if they had real teenagers. Yeah. And then it's it gets kind of sketchy when you have ho- nudity and horrible things happening right. to too. So right. yeah. <laughs>
3: well, well, you know, speaking of nudity, Hal Havens, um, he actually refused to show his butt in the moon thing scene, <laughs> which is why his boxers are on. And I'm oh. thinking myself going, Leona Quigley. Is literally walking around this movie, I mean I mean, she's not naked the entire time. But that she does is pretty close. Put, but she does put a lipstick in her boot. And she does have her yep. rear end sticking out. Um, you know, in, in like the first time we see people after the credits and stuff. And this guy's like, Oh no, I can't have my rump be shown on the I do 17 to twenty-five people might see. Like, are you kidding? Like
2: they, Show some solidarity like, with your fellow cast yeah. members. I mean,
3: yeah. I'd, I'd get naked
2: for a ham sandwich, and this
1: guy wouldn't do it for me. <laughs>
2: You're naked right now.
1: I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, God we turned the camera off before we started recording, but we all know. Oh, that's right. You know. You know, all right. I'm just saying, it,
3: it, it, seems, like, it seems like a crazy idea. Like, okay, like you know, we're going to have her get completely naked. This, this chick's going to be in her bra. Then she's going to have you going to see her ass. This guy's like, no, 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 no one can see my butt. Like, I think that would be grounds for getting fired in my book. I'm like, all right, yeah. buddy, I guess you don't want a fucking job either, do you? You know. Kind of thing.
1: <laughs> well, yes, you know I mean? but like you want said, you want to get paid, don't you? You know. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's not like someone says let's see the cash prizes. You know, no yeah. one asked for that.
1: Nobody, no, nobody asked for that. Uh, no I, I use that. I use that term, uh, some you know, uh, around the house sometimes, and uh, I don't. I, I think they're starting to figure it out. The cash and prizes, yeah. I right uh, that. right. right the yeah, that and and I'll, and that and I'll I'll, I'll rep tag the, you know, yam- right the yam bag. <laughs>
3: okay, the call out to Andrew Leland who didn't know what a, what, a, what the yam bags were. Yam bag. Right, kind of, write going to write the yam bags Dad. <laughs>
1: I don't think anyone doesn't know Taz, does it? But anyway,
3: yeah.
1: got to use context clues, people. But the, uh, yeah. I think it, it's, it's – it, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Quigley's dance in Return of the Living Dead because Angela's dance here, which is um, – I mean, it's, it's, it's Angela and, and Stooge. That, to me, I, I, regardless of whoever else is – whatever else nudity is in this movie, that to me is the sexiest part of this damn movie. That is so damn awesome. I love oh, yeah. that. And then it's it goes. It's sexy and it goes, it's
2: creepy at
1: the same time. Yeah. And then it goes downhill for. Yeah. yeah. Dude. So I'm like, it, it's funny. So if you, if you, uh, after I watched this, I was just poking around on YouTube looking for like interviews and stuff like that. And I think Shout Factory put this out on Blu-ray. Jay, is that right? Yeah. It's so expensive as it all. It is. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that. So Scream Factory, which is Shout Factory's horror yeah. imprint, but but you know Shout Factory is usually pretty good about putting little clips and stuff of their upcoming releases on YouTube to to show yeah. how they've restored it. That is the scene they have online for Night of the Demons is Angela's dance, and they're just showing it off in the you know the newly restored HD and all that. And so it's telling that that's the one they pick because it's such a such a well done bit. Like you said, Chris, it's it's sexy and it's creepy. It really does fit the tone of this. And it stands out. It's a really good scene, and uh, that, and and you know, to me, it's like it, that. That's what I mean. It's not a great film, but there's enough well done bits that, again, me as a viewer, I'm satisfied with it when I'm done. It, it's, Oh, it, it delivers didn't... the goods. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Le- Le- Leona quickly is like the Shiva the Destroyer. Whenever she gets naked and starts <laughs> dancing, the shit's gonna hit the fan like, in like a couple minutes. Oh yeah.
3: Well... So, okay, so in, in an interview, uh, the director back in 2014, he had said, um, when they were talking about uh, about Leona Quigley, he said she'd been nude modeling for long before she started starring in movies, so she was completely comfortable doing the scene. She's uh, talking about the lipstick scene. She read yeah. the script, saw what we were doing, sent her over to Steve Johnson, who made a cast of her breasts, and the rest is history. Literally, that is probably the most succinct way to say exactly what it is, because yeah. Leona Quigley... Um, for, you know, for those, of you were like, I don't know who you're talking about. Like if you, if you have never if you have never seen Night of the Demons and you've never seen Return of the Living Dead, I mean,
1: or, you know, uh, or, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, right? Right.
3: Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so, well, the thing in Silent Night, Deadly Night, you do see her breast cause she is slammed onto the, uh, the, the, the deer, the, uh, the, the, not deer, but the, um, the block, right? Yeah. Um, for those of you who want to hear a review of that, Dad and I covered it this past Christmas on uh, the Lost <laughs> Books of Dave. Um, Dad loved it. He loved it. It was the unrated version. He loved it. I'm, right? I'm you out do there, see sir. that Yeah. And the, uh, what do you call? I'm out there! Um, You know, you do see her breast more there, but I'm saying but if you have not seen those movies, because um, once you watch any of those movies, you're like, oh, I know that woman. Right? Because literally, you might not recognize her face, but you definitely recognize from the neck down. Uh, kind of thing so and and yes she is uh, um, because she does I mean again she was doing nude modeling way before she ever started making any movies and that's how she actually got her breaking movies and think about Silent Night Deadly Night is way earlier than that I mean this that's what 84 right or something like that so it makes perfect sense I mean think about 84 she's already four years younger than she is here so she looks more like a teenager you know kind of thing so but
1: yeah I mean, well, and so. you know that and and what's interesting is there is, you know, there's I talk about the cast in general. I thought this was really interesting for 1988. And this gets back to what I was saying about a John Hughes movie. This is a pretty diverse cast. Yes. But, yeah. You know, you have Yeah, you have. Yeah,
2: And <laughs> and they set the black guy up to be a random one of the first killed off sort of character. Yeah. He's yeah. just sort of he's just sort of stuck in there and he's kind of too like Nice, friendly of a guy. You're like, oh, this guy, this poor guy is gonna get it real quick, and he makes it. It's, yeah. It's, that's a, like at the end. I was like, oh, they're, yeah. They're letting the black guy live. So I well, think
1: he's the one the- who's like, my daddy was a preacher. Right, <laughs> right,
2: right,
0: right.
1: Oh, right. Jay, uh, Jay and Hero. I don't know, if, Chris, if this reference is gonna make any sense to you, but Roger kind of reminds me of like a young Caprice Coleman in this movie, doesn't he? <laughs> 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 my dad is a preacher. They shown that from the pulpit, but, uh, Oh, you know, and, it, and it's not just, well, first of all, I think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, the guy, I mean, first off his name is Roger and he's dressed as a pirate. That's kind of funny. But <laughs> uh, it, that, <laughs>
3: well, um, hey, but wait, What's your face is dressed as Alice. Is, yeah, is that is that a reference then to like the, the nightmare movies, uh, you know, kind of thing. Like, that's what I'm wondering, like, because isn't that the whole idea? I,
1: I, well oh, okay, I, I thought of I thought it was more the idea that Alice goes into you know, goes Yeah. Al, Al, no but I mean Alice in you know Alice in Wonderland goes you know, travels into from, from a known world to an unknown world where everything is crazy and then comes out at the end. So I assumed uh, it was more yeah, of a straight Alice in Wonderland where yeah, if that but I,
3: didn't, fact, I didn't know if it was a shot at like remember remember in um um the original Hills Have Eyes and they go in there and, the, and there's a Jaws poster with the slash through it and it says yes. and the whole like it was saying it was saying like you're not horror. we're horror. so then you go to like uh evil dead and there's a hills have eyes poster and a big slash through it and they're saying no no you're not horror. we're horror." and i thought it was like one of those like kind of a like some of those weird 80s digs they used to take at okay, each good. other well, I, I mean definitely I
2: took good. a dig at them on the on the box cover
1: so yeah yeah there's no reason they couldn't be yeah but uh yeah Just, you, well i yeah, you're, you're, yeah like, well i mean. The, uh, the, yeah. the, the well, uh, yeah. So. yeah. Well, what I was gonna say is, that even beyond Roger surviving, you know, yeah. he's he's good guy Roger, right? I mean, he makes it over the razor wire rope, and then he comes back to help Judy. You know, yeah. he's free yeah. and clear. I mean, if if let let's face it, if 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 he had done run offed, as we say down here in the south, uh, then no one would have said anything. It's like because yeah, because you know you're getting the hell out of dodge, but he's good guy Roger, right? So he comes back and helps. So he actually is. You know, because they're setting up this love triangle, right, with uh, with Sal and uh, Judy and uh, what's her her boyfriend's name? Um, I don't have it here in front of me, but they, you know, so they're setting up this 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 triangle, and both of those guys are jackasses, you know. Right and so she and so she you know for lack of a better term air quotes up to the mic ends up with roger the one who's you know who's never who hasn't had any you know hasn't tried to force himself on her or or take advantage of her or just assume that yeah she she you know wants to ride the baloney pony or anything like that he's the one guy who's approaching a nice guy in the movie with the girl who's obviously the good girl now the question i had and maybe you guys had different experiences did girls like this really exist when you were in high school the girls nah. that were always good like that, because they're always in movies. But I was trying to think back. Most of the girls in my high school, they were either, you know, mean or you just disinterested. or Never but it was like well, just girls who did good stuff just to be good girls.
0: I can't answer that because all the girls in my high school were guys, so.
1: I was going to say, you know, I mean, you went to an all-guy school, so, you know, you know they picked the homecoming queens, whoever has the least amount of facial hair, right? Like my friend G- uh, Eugene, he was homecoming queen three years in a row at our school.
3: <laughs> oh, J.
1: Yeah. Oh J- uh, JR. Yeah.
3: The thing is though, when we but we were in high school in the 90s. Maybe it was like this in the 80s.
1: oh okay. Or
3: not or not. Or maybe <laughs> Probably the fact not. that or the, maybe the fact that they're all um between 24 and 37 years old yeah. is how that <laughs> maybe our problem was that we actually were going we were talking to 15, 16, 17, oh, 18 yeah. olds and they just needed to be, you know, 27, 28, 29, 30, you know.
2: 40 with a mortgage and two kids, whatever the fuck it was,
3: whatever, you know,
2: I think they were just setting her up as the sort of same character as similar character as uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, not completely goody goody, you know, she'll go out and party and drink with her friends and stuff, but she's ultimately, she's just like, Hey, you know, this is, but like, I thought the movie was setting us up without, with, all, with all the the tropes of these characters because it's a demonic movie it was setting up that like just nihilistic trap doom thing where like as as soon as they were like yeah there's no gate anymore it was just like yeah you're pretty much trapped in the house you know so I thought it was just going to be one of those impending doom to where it was down to one person um stories and it sort of it sort of split the difference at the end, you know, it let a couple of them uh, live, but it, it it allowed a happy ending, which was very 80s like yeah. of it, but I thought I thought it might be going for the like we're gonna turn a corner here and it's just gonna be this like it's gonna be a little bit darker than and and it sets itself up to be like that. so I, I think that was a good way of building tension in it. Like I said, it's got a lot of good stuff going in it. It's just not like the best of its breed, you know.
0: No. Yeah. No, I, I mean, mean the, the, the makeup effects in it are great. I are mean, fantastic. Some of those designs are are fantastic. I
2: it's mean, they turn job. that they it's turn amazing. that goth girl into Jean Simmons. It's amazing. Yeah. And,
1: I st- and I still had an erection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what we call that, right? You know what we call that?
3: Please, get so hard. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 confused boner. That's what that is, right? Mine's or, never uh, confused. Yeah. Just go or with it, it. or it's again, called, shout, shout called... out to the yeah. Shout out to the grind bin hero sitting there on his couch with a pillow on his lap. You know, it's, watching It's, the movie, it's so. called hero <laughs> joins.
2: Hero joins the kiss army.
3: <laughs> so um, let, me, let me ask this though. So I mean, again, I mean, this is eighty eight. So, so I feel like the the director here. He definitely. I feel like he definitely watched Demons and, like, Demons 2 or Demoni yeah. and Demoni 2, you know. Like, it, their makeups and stuff, I, I mean, again, I know Steve Johnson is, uh, he's just, um, you know, he, he's he's just one of the pioneers of all this stuff. And he was one of the guys who did makeup effects all through the 90s and stuff. And you've seen his shit everywhere, even if you don't know it. But I always felt like when I watched this, like, it was a lot like Demons and a lot like, uh, you know, Demons 2. Um, more, this movie reminds me more of Demons 2. Cause right. they're kinda, because because that's, that's an apartment complex. And they're kind of being chased around. They're the ones in a uh, movie theater. Yes,
1: yeah, um, well, de- yeah, so a Demons has the whole movie within a movie thing going on too, yeah. which yeah. just adds a layer of complexity onto that. The pro- just as a real quick aside, the problem I always had with, with Demons, with Daimone, is that the movie that they're watching seems infinitely more interesting than the movie that <laughs> I've watched. <laughs> than the real movie? <laughs> <laughs> problem, it
3: is. Yeah. And then, but the, I feel like the movie they're watching in the movie should have been demons too, but it it was just like, hey, want to watch that movie again? And it's like, oh, not the same movie, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but uh, anyway, but I feel like like when I, when you when you look at the makeup effects again, I'm not trying to say he ripped off anything like that. I mean, they're all different looking, but I feel like they're inspired by that Italian demon look, um, because there's a very distinct yeah. uh, Italian feel to them compared to what i mean we, we and think about demons we really have one of the demon movies in america um at that time there's i mean there's like you know there's zombie movies and yeah. there's like you know you have movies like i don't know like uh, even like from beyond and stuff like that but they're not demons per se in there i mean yeah
1: i mean really know, really i mean as, and even this is not an american movie it's an english movie night of the demon From what was that, 58 something like that? I'm totally (laughs) totally off, you know, where it's invisible most of the time, where it's got just the big wolf head type of thing, you know, the traditional image of demon at this point by the 1980s in the in the U.S. is from Dungeons and Dragons, Uh, you know, it's the guy with the red skin and the horns, like Legend, right? That's you know the demon from Legend is about that. That's that's the mainstream image. So yeah, I'll totally believe that this is because I agree. This does look like an Italian demone type. uh,
2: uh, uh, is... Italian demons always I and I think actually they they swiped it from America because I think it's more of the it, like there's demons and the Italians go for demon possessed so it's more of the exorcist with like a white face yeah. and like throw some powder on the wi- on a wig on them and you know cut up their face a little bit sometimes Whereas so like American demons are yeah. are fleshier and redder and more colorful. <laughs> well, we've kind, of come, we've kind of
1: we've kind of come full circle, right? So if if Demone and those types of films were ripping off The Exorcist, and then this is taking from you know following yeah. on from that, we've come full circle, you know. Yeah. Wow.
3: The problem is though. Problem is though uh, Curse of the Demon, um, which is stars Dana, Dana Andrews, I'm pretty sure. Um, that movie's about alcoholism, um, yeah. And, yeah. and and, and it's it, true. It's it's a great film. If you've never seen that film, don't go in and expecting to see any nudity or anything else, because it's a great movie about the man fighting his inner demons, which is alcoholism, and addiction, and stuff like that. But what happened was after the movie was done, they went to the screening and they were like, they put in the footprints walking, and then they put in the fucking head, which is what everyone remembers in that movie, because they show it on the goddamn poster and everything. And they're like, but this movie was about like a man's journey through addiction. And now it's like, oh no, it's really a fucking demon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, what? No kind of
2: but, thing. but even like, so, like, like that demon that yeah. demon is so creepy, and like the way they shot it, it has a yeah. level of surreal to it that it could totally be a metaphorical demon too. But like, I don't know. I thought that was a good decision to add that in there because it's just so such a iconic, creepy image. And it must have been like super creepy at the time.
3: Well, I can tell you this because I just watched, uh, I was watching 100 Years of Horror. Dean Andrews was pretty pissed uh, because he's like, What the hell? They put an actual demon in here. The whole movie's about this guy's journey, and he was not super happy. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if (laughs) Dean Andrews just passed away, rest in peace, but I'm just saying it. He was pretty pissed off, and I'm like, I get it, but you know, hey, the 50s! So, you know. Uh, what it was, B-movie, you need a monster, because you don't have a right. I mean, you know, dad's, dad's got the big head of it at home, at, you know, at his house, so it's, you know, but, anyway, but yeah, so I, well, I here, definitely They, they don't.
1: They don't bury, hey, they don't bury the lead here, I mean, she's right on the cover, and then she's yeah. all the way through the movie, too, so, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the funny part is,
3: is that in Demons 2 and 3, she's the only one who returns, and she is the demon the entire time, but she just keeps getting older and older, because then, Demons two is ninety four. and Demons three is ninety seven. Yeah, so, and it's and it's the same
1: actress. It's it's Amelia it's, Kincaid who plays her in all three it's, movies. Yeah.
3: She's the only thing tying them all together.
1: Well, um, well, I, well cannot, I mean, her and her and uh, uh, Ke- Kevin Tenney. In hell.
3: yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Well, okay. But well, what I'm saying is, the problem is, is that I don't think I've ever seen two or three.
1: No, I've right? never seen them. Yeah. And.
3: Three, I, I you know, Now, in
1: the, in the interest of fairness, I have seen two on a, VH, on a VHS rack. So you know, got that yeah. going on, you know. <laughs> it's a very similar cover.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly exactly the same. Like imagine
1: so, yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. Stick with what works. You know, it
3: works well, it works. He, he was. Yeah, Kenny did not direct. I don't think either well, one of them. No,
1: but I think he, he, but get, he gets, gets writing credit in them. So. He's a
3: writing credit on three, but not two. Looks like. Yeah, it looks like he may. Oh my God. Anyway, oh uh, man, you get to two, it looks like a bad episode of Passions. Anyway, so
1: <laughs> excuse me, there are no such things as bad episodes of Passion. <laughs>
3: Does it have They're a fidget just, in it? <laughs>
2: no. Then I don't know. Then it ain't the Passion.
3: No, I'm just saying it's like, oh no, it's Timmy. It's, it's, he's, he's a grown he's a full grown man oh no, no he's a doll he's possessed
2: that's no baby it's a fidget <laughs> that's my favorite right. little rascal one of my favorite little rascals episodes i, I won't claim a favorite little rascals episode because there's the one with where, where they're making the birthday cake and it's going oh <laughs> classic <laughs> How and we, then there's a the one where the they the little rascals, fidgets, oh, the passions, fidgets, little rascals. Come on, keep yeah, up, guys. I, I, okay, sorry. Standard conversation.
0: That is, yeah. Part
2: of the conversation one oh one. Tie it all into the little
1: rascals.
3: Absolutely. The oh. um, so one thing we haven't seen here is the scene. Where the two of them are having sex in the coffin. Yeah, uh,
1: that, that is hot. Yeah. So hot. And Franny is gotta, so hot. Yeah, she is
3: hot. yeah, she is quite quite a looker. Um, well, but, but just,
1: you know, but uh, real quick though, that does get back to what I was saying about about diversity and what what Chris was saying. Franny's in there. She yeah, she is. She's an Asian American, but no one says anything about it. There's no jokes about it. There's no. You know, she's not hooked up with another Asian. You know, she doesn't. No, do not even from Stooge. Yeah. Doesn't um, even make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like she, she just happens to be, you know, she just happens to be Asian American. It's actually when a very well done depiction of age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's
3: and it's amazing because she later in in a year later she came back in the all time classic Sleepaway Camp three Teenage Wasteland. Um, she appeared there as well. Um, so she was like saying, hey, you know, I can only go up from here. Uh, oh, but yeah. uh, yeah, she um, you know, and. I mean, just, just, just a, a scene where you're like, all right, they're doing it in a casket. Got it. Like, and, you know, kind of thing. Like, it's just the stuff in this movie, nothing here, like nothing is off, you know, off limits. Nothing is whatever. Like everything kind of seems crazy. And like, you're like, all right, how could this happen? I mean, you know, when when Leon quickly, we've mentioned a couple times, when she puts a lipstick into her boob, that's not even yep. like the weirdest shit that really? happens here. So, you know, I mean, that's the most Cronenbergian, uh, yeah. Uh, shit that she didn't pull a cancer gun out of her stomach and fucking shoot people, but
1: you be know, be a lot cooler if she did. That'd, that'd be a little on <laughs> a little on the nose. Well, I tell you, I was really impressed with the match between the prosthetic and her act, because we yeah. see, you know, we do see her with uh, Topless in that same scene where she's yep. drawn on herself, and then it cuts to the prosthetic. That's a really good match. That is, I mean. No, it's. That's, a real, that's
2: like a Salvador Dali scene right there. Like the way the way it goes in, like in a, in a lesser movie or in it, it, it like, I mean, a boob is a, a boob is a boob. And I guess like maybe mankind has spent more time simulating female breasts, you know, for, you know, hence like real dolls and mm-hmm. and silicon implants and stuff. But I mean, a lot of times when you have stuff like that, and even in Cronenberg movies, you know, even in high budget movies, they'll have a little, you know, you'll see the change and there'll be a little rubbery aspect of it. But I mean, in in the completely never would happen scenario where a girl is able to push a, a, a lipstick into her breast. That's exactly what it would look like. <laughs> you know, there was nothing that I, I, I just remember watching it. And like after it was done, that's when I go, oh, wait, this is pre-CG, you know, CGI. Because yeah. like I could see the using the rubber or it, CGI just doing it all CGI or using the rubber thing and fixing it up so it, it goes in cleanly and stuff. But no, they just had to do this on camera. And I'll bet you that day on set when they were doing it, they were just like, woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? okay. like, so
3: real uh, quick, I just, gonna, this thing I totally favorite here is ready for this. So, so Steve Johnson, we've talked about it a bunch and people are like, well, I mean, so um, he got his start, you uh, know, back uncredited as an assistant on the fog. Um, he did work on humanoid the deep, um, but he was actually part of the special effects makeup crew for American Werewolf in London, so Rick Baker, so, you know, that's a good person okay, to learn yeah. her. And then, the year, in 83, he was a special makeup effects artist on a little movie called Videodrome. Wonder oh. where you got the the boob, yep. you know, kind of thing. I mean, he did yeah. plan of the Solar Babies, but I think what most of our listeners might, if, if you want to think of what movie in the 80s might be what they know, um, well, oh, maybe two of them. maybe Big Trouble in Little China, Ooh. and he also did uh, he did one of the he did some of the effects. Uh, he was one of the main guys for the effects for Nightmare Four, uh, Dream Master. And he also did Dead Heat. He did uh, I mean, good lord, Pet Cemetery Two. I mean, Return of the Living Dead Three. Um, I mean, he did the special effects makeup in The Stand. Um, you know, Species, Brain Scan, you name it. I mean, he's he's became he's a who's who kind of guy. And then he got to the point where he's doing real. You know, I mean Blade, things blade two, things like that. Not not Blade, Blade Two, but he's that's just in the makeup end of things. That's not even him like in the idea of special effects, because he's in the same thing there. He's another level. He's like that level of guy. Like it's kind of hard because Rick Baker has kind of gone to like, a level that like Stan Winston, Rick Baker, like those guys are at a kind of a different level than we think of. But like the Rob teens of this world, I mean, let's face it, Rob Boteen as a kid did uh the thing you know uh
2: Carpenter's yeah, Ro- rob boteet was like the hero of the thing you know
3: yeah. Yeah. what i'm saying is so but a guy like you know uh, steve Johns, i mean he he did all these amazing things i mean even if even if you didn't love the movie perfect example suburban commando right yeah. right it is not a good movie but his creature effects in that movie are outstanding and that's the problem is people are like well that movie's not very good i'm like yeah but the creature's amazing i mean you know, I mean you can't help Hogan. He looks like Hogan, but like Yeah,
2: you know, <laughs> But when he's when he's looking for another job, he's not showing any of the dialogue scenes from that no, movie. He's yeah. showing all the awesome shots of his, his monster and that's what counts, you know, for
3: Right. Think about it. So it's somebody who who's worked with Rick Baker. He he worked uncredited. He's he he was part of the crew who worked on Predator. I mean, that's Dan Winston Studios, Leviathan. I mean, we're talking about movies that like the, the the physical effects the because there's no CG here the physical stuff they're doing is real I mean I I am hard pressed if when you look at a movie like Predator now I understand that's Winston like or even Monster Squad or any of those things like that like I think in the 80s nothing looks fake it all looks real there's no CG was, it's on like set. Us, yeah well no no what I'm saying is but like there's it's not like you can see the zipper it's not like um. Um, Tabunga, uh, that's uh, shit. from Hell It Came, the world, hell came. thank you. Um, yeah. you know, where, where you can kind of see the zipper on the tree monster, right? Like, there is no zipper, there is no nothing. They make it look good. Her boobs look perfect, right? Oh, yeah, kind of thing. She pushes the lipstick, like, shit, how's she doing that? Like, that's pretty good because that's how good he was, and he is. I mean, he's still alive, I mean, like, like, that's how good it is, and to the point where now you know now they're like well we'll just cg this all up we'll do it all we'll fix it all on post like, I, isn't yeah. that why movies kind of now don't have the you know the i don't know not the same magic of this, this but it's like why Well, there
2: is looks- a, there isn't a level where you're watching it thinking how do they do that because you know how they did it did it you know or you yeah. you go you know i mean that's the thing about like a movie like this nobody's going in going like man, I hope the story's good in the, you know, I mean, it's good when the story's good on it, but that's not what they're going in. They're like, I hope this has a lot of sex and violence and craziness. And then, and it's like a magic show, you know? So, I, especially in the practical effects days, you know, it was like, it was, it was literally like, how did they, how did they, you know, it's almost like a, a movie serial. How do they get themselves out of this you know how can they trick us into making this look real and nowadays they there's still i mean a massive element of that to movies these days but people when you're watching it you don't wonder about it as much because you just assume if it looks really good and seamless that it's cgi now you get shocked after watching the movie when you get it on dvd and you watch like the uh the the director's commentary afterwards and they go oh actually we had to do this whole thing by practical effects and then you go like oh my god i thought that was cg you know but you're, you're you're when you're sitting in the movie you're never thinking anymore like how the hell did they pull off that shot because they can just basically paint any shot in the way they want it depending on how much money you want to spend so the mystery has gone the thriller the thrill is gone
3: one last thing, if you want to tie this full circle here, uh, he was one of the people, along with the Choto Brothers and um, um, David Allen, uh, who worked on Freaked. He's, he's, he did work on Freaked, and as we reviewed Freaked on this show, um, the, the, you know all the makeups and everything in, that, everything in that movie was freaking nuts. What I'm saying is they, he worked on that movie as well. He's one of the sculptors, and he did an effect shot. Because, again, they brought in a bunch of people to do effect scenes. And not that, that? Wasn't that the stem of like? Wasn't that the whole thing with the, the nightmare movies? You yeah. had different companies doing different scenes, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, um, you know, now, now we, we, we can you know kind of end the Steve Johnson podcast that we were on here. But well, you uh, know,
1: the, but I will say that you know you talk about doing you know co- different scenes by different companies. I love the bookends. To this. The bookends. Oh my god! I almost yes. forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah. Which you, which is, what I love, it it it's almost like the guy in the cab in Airplane. Yes. You know? yes. It's like right at the beginning, and then oh. they, now in Airplane they do give you one extra scene because you do see him yeah. still sitting there when strike when Ted gets on the plane. But, but, uh, five more minutes, and then I am leaving. But the. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, the guy right yeah. at the beginning, oh, those, those little punks will get what they deserve. And then if all this crazy crap happens for the next 82 minutes yeah. or, you know, or 84 minutes, whatever it is, and then, oh, my God, the old man's back. And now I'm, I'm a little – I've never quite been clear on how the Apple yeah. and razor blade thing is supposed to work. Do you, uh, do you yeah, break up yeah, the that you fully blade?
2: chew them up and that you get past chewing them and in, into swallowing them till they you have enough of them to shred your whole chest cavity. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, know. I know, but it's it like, general, you know, it's not like it's, no, it's it's not like, you know, the old like from from Hellblazer, you know, or from when he when he grinds up the glass and puts it in food. That that's a little bit different. But it's yeah, like, do you do you break the tips off them? Of I never quite understood that. It's like I, I it's think it was you always a if someone take. shoves a thing into it, you know, it'll be bruised all to hell, especially if you use a Red Delicious. <laughs> oh yeah and
3: that's like, that's that's like when people like well there's you put pins in lollipops and stuff and whatever i'm like but how do you get it in there like i, that, I, a little more I never saw how you get a full razor blade into an apple and then not realize you have a razor blade in your apple uh, I've, you know, I, I've
2: never I mean, i've never heard a news story in my i've never heard a news story in my entire life of kids getting razor-bladed really. apples oh, yeah. or it's, anything it's, ever I mean, ever But, like, at the beginning, I noted in my head, I said, I I actually wrote it down in my notes, Chekhov's razor blades. And then (laughs) at the end of it, I was like, and then at the end of it, I was like, oh, they're not going to, that was just something they threw in at the beginning, you know, when they were setting up stuff. And then when the old man's again, I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if this was planned all along. The ending of it almost seemed horned in and... It was totally out of place, but at the same time, somehow like incredibly delightful and perfect right. and ridi- it's, ridiculous.
1: It's, it's, well, you know, it's it's like it's like when they give you that free breakfast buffet on the last night yeah, you at the hotel. It yeah. sends you home happy, man. Yeah, you know. yeah. No, Wait. I was
2: already satisfied by the time we got to there, and I and I had a note going— uh all right, where's where's the razor blades? And then at the end, I'm like, there they are. <laughs> and I, I, I had written off the razor blades by that time. So yeah, it gives you a nice little bonus after, you know, I yeah. mean, it ends with a gigantic demon just like, Rah! and then shrink away <laughs> at, you know how, I mean, that's perfect. You know, there you go. The end.
1: Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, question mark. <laughs> Oh, man. The, Until the other, next time. Yeah. The the other bit I do love in this is when Helen's body f- crashes into the car. Oh, um, yes. Because my note was Dead Helen. Band name? Oh. <laughs> well, tonight, live at the pit, Dead Helen with special guest Melted Butter.
2: <laughs> I heard that was the original name of uh, Alice Cooper's band.
1: Dead Helens? Dead, Dead. Helen. Well, yeah, the joke with Alice Cooper was they wanted to get the most wholesome sounding name so people would think that they were going to see a a girl with pigtails playing folk music and then they would get them. That was the idea behind the name. (laughs) It worked. It worked. I love Alice. Everybody loves Alice.
2: See, the first time I ever heard Alice Cooper, I went to church with uh, one of my friends. And and it wasn't to the Scott, Scott Gardner's church, which was the Assembly of God, which was usually the more like you know preach against satan church but i can't remember which one this one it wasn't the, it wasn't catholic but that w- when we went to sunday school that the it was on kiss and you know they told us kiss was night in satan's service and they told us alice cooper was the name of a, like a 12th century witch that oh. possessed alice cooper
1: as far as alice cooper and kiss Al, uh, if you ever get a chance to read alice's book which mm-hmm. is called uh uh, golf mon Alice Cooper golf monster, which is a great book if you ever get the opportunity to read. <laughs> it really is. Right, Yeah. Every well, every well, it it alternates between like autobiography one chapter and then the next chapter is about golf. Yeah, and so yeah. It's his true passion, golf, passion in life, golf.
2: probably. Yeah. 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 Well, it, well, it is at this one because golf, yeah, yeah, yeah. golf
1: just became his new addiction. But he talks about kiss for one little small segment, and it's and I mentioned this to Scott Reifon, and he he was not super impressed with this, which is not surprising. But when Alice (laughs) says, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, then he came out with Kiss. And it was, I guess the idea was, hey, if a band with one Alice Cooper makes a lot of money, a band with four Alice Coopers must make four times as much money, right? (laughs) Well,
2: (laughs) I almost sent Scott Rife on a Kiss video. I don't know if you guys have seen it. The, the, the video of, uh, um, uh, the, the guy in the Ace Freely, not Ace Freely in the Paul Stanley outfit just walking through a suburban neighborhood and the guy's got his camera and he's like, look at this shit, look at this shit. And you hear him down the street, like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a sign and it comes out, it comes up and it says, put your masks on. He's like, CDC says, put your masks on. Put them <laughs> right. on. Put them on. <laughs> and so, so the guy's on the porch, he's like, all right, man. And, he, and the guy like walks up and he's like, what do you say? And he's like, I'm saying wear your mask. And the guy's like, all right, man. And he's like, do you know who I am? And he goes, yeah, man, you're that band. What band is that? <laughs> Kiss, man. Yeah, you know who I am? Yeah, man, you're Gene Simmons. <laughs> and then the look on his face and he just takes his sign and cracks it over his knees like oh fuck you <laughs> Simmons, what are you you Peter Chris? you asshole put out a mask and then just heads on da- like full platform shoes makeup leather and on down the street just like <laughs>
3: Hey, why did it sound like an acid trip instead of a commercial? I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> that was yeah, I know, but that was somebody just sitting on their porch in like Long Island somewhere.
3: <laughs> just saying It sounds like someone's having a, I'm a real bad one. the, the money
2: something? shot is when he says he says you're Gene Simmons and the, his face just collapses. Uh, uh, He's uh, just uh, like, no, you did not just call no. me Gene Simmons. Oh
1: no. no. <laughs> <laughs> What do you, all I can say is what do you compute, Space Ace? But,
2: now my voice oh, hurts God. from doing Paul Stanley. Oh
1: come on! <laughs> oh God! Well, oh, uh, ah.
2: If think... you want to get kissed, maybe in the ladies' <laughs> <latest> room.
1: <laughs> all right, we're
2: off the rails here.
1: Yeah. 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 I. I. I, I don't know. Is there any, anything else we can say about? About Night of the Demons, our horror wreck hanger on this time out. Who wants to see me stick some lipstick in my nipple?
3: (laughs) Gene Simmons can't do that. Let's see Gene Simmons do that. (laughs) Gene Simmons can still sing, though.
0: (laughs) Sorry, Bob. I love you. In an oozy fixation Ecstasy am cross-checked in agony <laughs> Stigmata bleed Continuously Hose health and feelings before for me Stigmata. to Stigmata in your splintered life. Look to your crimson horror, fist, and holy remembrance in scarlet lips. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled.
2: In the face of the enemy. Let the enemy have no power over me. And the son of iniquity be powerless to harm Your him. mother's eggs f- and hell you're my super faithless slime.